Good morning, class. Good morning, Hi, I'm Keith Moore, and this is Faith School. Faith School is the place where my spirit is fed, where my faith grows stronger, and where I learn how to be an overcomer. Hallelujah. Whatever you've been dealing with, no matter how big it, it may seem or how long it's been that way, it is overcomable. It is. Maybe not in your strength, but with the Lord's help. Greater is he that's in you. With his help and with enough grace and with enough faith and strength and help, you can do it. You can get there. You can reach it. You can overcome. You can get free. Whatever bondage it may be. Don't, don't just accept, well, no, I've had this addiction for years. You know, they say you can't get free. Well, maybe man can't do it. But God can do it. Amen. I said, he can do it. Yeah. I'm so far in debt. I'm in such a mess. You know, how could I ever? Well, you're looking at yourself. Look at him. Look how big he is. Yes. He can do it. Yes. I'm telling you. And he wants to. All he needs is a little cooperation out of us. Uh, some faith and some trust and some listening and obedience. So get your Bible, something to make a note with. Come on into the classroom with us. Turn everything else off. Push it aside for a bit, and let's get answers today. Father, all of us rejoice in you. We're so thankful and glad that we know you, that we are in you, and you're in us, and that we are your family, your forever family. And Lord, we, uh, we know in just a few more days we'll all be out of here and with you forever, but we, we have a path to, to walk. We have a a course to finish before we're done here. So we know it'll take faith and we ask you whatever we need to add to our faith and add to our spirit and our strength, knowledge, understanding, grace, wisdom, direction. We ask for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Said out loud, I'm getting what I need. <laughs> In Hebrews 3 and in 1 Corinthians 10 are our main texts that we've been using on this series we're calling Overcoming Unbelief. Hebrews 3 and 7, he said, as the Holy Spirit has said, today if you'll hear his voice, don't harden your hearts as in the provocation. Verse 10, he said, I was grieved with that generation. And I said, they always err in their heart and they have not known my ways. They had plenty of opportunity to get to know his ways better, but they did not take those opportunities. They made the wrong choice. He said, I swore in my wrath that they shall not enter into my rest. Take heed, brethren. Now he's talking to us. Are you some of the brethren? Yes. <laughs> We're some of the brethren. Uh, Take heed, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. 
Verse 18, to whom swore he that they should not enter into his rest, but to them that believed not. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Wasn't the giants that kept them out? Wasn't the walled cities? Wasn't their lack of military ability or lack of finances or lack of backing with this or that uh, other country or government? Or It was none of that. It was their own failure to believe God. And when we realize the truth, you know, what God told Joshua, he said, uh, there, there's nobody will be able to stand before you all the days of your life. If you'll be strong, be courageous, and listen to me, you know, follow me, I'm paraphrasing, but uh, so many people make excuses and say, well, you know, this one's in my way, or this one's didn't help me, or because I don't have this, or I didn't have that, or no, no. God's bigger than all that. Amen. I said, he's bigger than all that, and if you trust him, he can make up the difference in what you or I lack, and you can, you can, get, that, you can get to that place anyway. In 1 Corinthians 10, he talks about uh, everything that happened to that first generation of Israelites brought out of Egyptian bondage. Verse 6, these things are our examples to the intent we should not lust as they did or be idolaters as, were, as they did or commit fornication as they did or tempt Christ as they did. Verse 10, neither murmur ye as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now, all these things happen to them for examples, and they're written for our admonition upon whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore, let him that thinks he stands take heed lest he fall. He tells us that every one of their failures to believe God is a cautionary tale to us, and we need to be aware of what happened to them and understand it so that we see to it, we don't do what they did. Well, you won't be prepared or forearmed if you don't even know what happened. And so we're camping out, right, for a while in these passages and learning. So go back to Exodus, the 14th chapter. There, Numbers 14 describes 10 separate times that the people, these people doubted God and chose not to trust Him and believe in Him. And the first one of those ten was there here in Exodus 14 at the, um, um, they had just come out of Egypt and Pharaoh decided to follow them with his armies and they got trapped essentially between the armies of Pharaoh and the Red Sea. But God delivered them not because of their faith, but to demonstrate his power. And because, well, we're still talking about it, right? All these generations later. And so that's, that was one of the big reasons why he did it anyway. But then also, he had a plan. He, he wants, we're not done. They just got out, right? He wants to take them to Canaan. That, that's the plan. And he keeps giving them opportunity after opportunity to trust him. He's a merciful God, isn't he? He's a really gracious, merciful God. And even after their 
disrespect and their unthankfulness and they're just yielding to fear and all that, he'd say, okay, here's, here we go. Let's do this again. <laughs> Give them another opportunity. And they fail and blow that one. He'd say, okay, let's do this. Another opportunity to trust him. And they, they refused Ten major events in a row over these period of months and years. And finally, he said, uh, how long will it be before these people trust me? One translation said, will they never trust me? And you got to remember, he sees the end from the beginning. And so he knew it wouldn't have mattered if they'd have had another 50 opportunities. They're going to do the same thing. And that's when he told them, well, what you have said is what's going to happen to you. And so they perished in the wilderness, wandering around there for 40 years. And the New Testament is telling us that does not have to happen to you. You don't have to wind up like that. You don't have to be robbed like they were robbed. And that's why you and I are spending time on this. We're believing we are not wasting time in the wilderness, right? We're going to get on track, stay on track, yes. and, and possess our possessions, Amen. lay hold of what yes. God has planned and prepared for us, and live the life, the blessed life that he intended. Well, uh, when they saw what happened, they got stirred up and decided they'd believe God for three days. <laughs> and in verse 22... <laughs> I'd rather not have to add that, but that's exactly what happened. Verse 22, Moses brought them after the Red Sea. From the Red Sea, they went to the wilderness of Shur. They went three days in the wilderness and found no water. They came to Mer and they couldn't drink the waters of Mer because they were bitter. And they, the name of it was called Bitter. And the people murmured against Moses and they said, What are we going to drink? This is not an innocent question. It's, it's given us as an example of unbelief. This is the second one of the ten. The first one was they, they feared at the Red Sea. This one I'm calling they murmured at Marah. And we got eight more to go after this. But uh, notice this question. What are we going to drink? Go with me to the book of Luke, and uh, I want us to distinguish between two kinds of questions, two different kinds. In Luke, the, uh, the first chapter and the 18th verse, when the angel of the Lord appeared to Zacharias, who was the... Uh, the father of John would be the father of John the Baptist, and told he told him that he and his wife Elizabeth were going to have a child. In Luke one eighteen, Zacharias said to the angel, "Whereby shall I know this? For I'm an old man, and my wife well stricken in years." We we wouldn't say wherefore; we'd probably say how. How will I know this? And. The, I don't think he was ready for the answer. The, <laughs> the angel answered and said, I am Gabriel that stand in the presence of God. Why, why say that? Because he's saying, 
you don't know who you're talking to. Why? Why would he say that? Because of the question he just asked him. Friend, there are times when you shouldn't ask certain questions. Because it is evidence of doubt and unbelief to ask the question. See, they ask the question, how are we going to drink? Where are we going to get any water? If you'd, if you'd have heard them say it, and this is a synopsis of what the whole congregation is saying, you would have heard it had a tone to it, a tone of attitude a tone of disrespect. Hmm? Well, what are we going to do? Have you ever heard anything like that? A lot of times people say, what in the world? <laughs> How in the world are we? Don't be looking to the world. Look to God, right? Uh, how will I know this? You know, uh, did, did the angel just give Zacharias some really good news? Yes. Yes. Oh, man. This is, this is one of the, uh, you know, marks in the, the plan of God that John the Baptist, who's going to herald and, and, and introduce uh, the, the master, the Messiah, and John and Elizabeth are going to get uh, to raise him and and be his parents, and we're still talking about him here in this century, and this is big stuff. But he, he responds and goes, really? How? You know, because I'm old, you know. <laughs> like the angel's going to say, really? How, how old are you? <laughs> Even my wife's old, too. We've been trying to have a baby for decades, you know, did you... You missed that. And, and he says, do you know who I am? <laughs> I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. I, I hang out with God at the throne. <laughs> How many think we need to remind ourselves sometimes who's talking to us? And at times like this, it ain't time to ask a bunch of dumb questions. Right? It's time to say, Thank you, Lord. I believe. Right? But he said, how, how will I know this? You know, I'm old and my wife is old. The angel said, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I'm sent to speak these things to you and to show you these glad tidings, which means you ought to be celebrating. This is good news. This is really good news. And behold, you're going to be dumb. And not able to speak until the day that these things will be performed because you didn't believe my words. And they will be fulfilled in their season. Why? Because we're going to shut you up so you can't talk a bunch of unbelief and mess anything up. Because I can tell right now you ain't working with the program. So <laughs> now skip down to Luke. Uh, 1, 34. You see a, another question, but it's not the same kind of question. The angel came to Mary 
and told her that she was going to be with child. And this is a different situation from uh, Zacharias and Elizabeth because they were married. They'd been married for years. Uh, Mary is not married and she's never had relations with a man. So how are you going to conceive with no natural father? And so when, she, when the angel told Mary that this was going to happen, she says, Luke 134, how shall this be seeing I know not a man? Now from the casual observer, not being there, not seeing them, not hearing the tone, you might think, well, she just asked a question just like he did. No, this is not the same kind of question. She's not, she's not asking, is, is it possible? She just asked, she said, this is really a legitimate question. I've never heard of this before, right? Uh, how, you know, we're talking about a conception without a natural father. And the Spirit of God, the, the angel rather, he didn't say to her, we're going to have to shut you up too. <laughs> Did he? Why? Because it wasn't the unbelief. She's just asking legitimately. She's curious. She, she wonders how this could happen. And the other, Zacharias, when he says, how will I know this? He's, ask, he's implying, could this happen? Could this be? How could it be? How could it possibly be? He didn't see how it could be. He's doubting it. We know so because the angel said, you didn't believe what I told you. But Mary, when she says, how shall this be seeing I know not a man? The angel actually answers her question and explains to her how she's going to conceive without a natural father, without a man. He said, the Holy Spirit is going to come on you. And the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, the holy thing which shall be born of you shall be called the Son of God. He explained to her, there won't be any sex involved. And uh, the Holy Spirit is just going to come over you. And the power of the highest. We're talking about the one that created the heavens and the earth. Right? He created human beings to start with. And so the, the, the power of God is going to come on you. The, the anointing is going to come over you. And there's going to be that conception, miraculously. And uh, the one born of you will be called the Son of God. So both were questions. But they were from different heart. Can you see that? Yes. And, and that's when, you know, Mary went on to say, Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Right? Be it unto me according to your word. Is she doubting this? No, not at all. And this is amazing, right? Young, young person, young, young woman. And she just says, okay, that's how it'll be then. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Something that nobody has ever heard of <laughs> before. Something that's never happened before. Can you see why he picked her? Yes. Oh, man. Mm. And why she is to be respected, you know, from now on. She's Jesus' mother. Now, uh, these two kind of questions 
we need to know the difference in. One was unbelief. One was just a desire to understand. Can you see the big difference? And go to Matthew, the sixth chapter. Matthew chapter 6. They went three days, found no water. And uh, so they, they murmured against Moses and they said, what are we going to drink? Now, in doing so, who are they looking to? They're looking horizontally. Can you see that? Not vertically. They're looking to man. And when you look to man, you're going to be disappointed. It's just a matter of time. Usually not very long. Why? Because man is man. Man cannot produce everything. Man so limited. And so they look to him because they're, wa- they're walking by sight. Uh, they, they were up when the Pharaoh's army is done away with. Three days later, they, no water, they're down. And they're so moved by what they see. And so, because they're so moved, because they don't see water or see any prospect of water or anywhere to get water, oh, we're all going to die out here. We're going to die of thirst. Then they look to, who can we, uh, you look to people. Can you see this today? This is what's, you either look to God or you look to people. That's the only options you got. And, of course, looking to yourself is looking to people. And when you look to people, you are going to be disappointed. Not might be, you are going to be. Because they cannot meet all your needs. They cannot provide everything you need. They can't. They just do not have the knowledge, the ability, the strength. Anybody half thinking knows that. So you shouldn't look to man. You shouldn't, we shouldn't look to each other. And so many of the problems that are in the country and in the world, in the countries today, are people looking to man, uh, you know, uh, looking to the government to meet all of your needs. It's looking to man. And, and the more godless peoples become and governments become, it's all about us taking care of us, us taking care of you. And so the emphasis is, you know, we will take care of you. But no man can take care of you. It takes God. It's too big. Only God can meet all our needs. And when you actually lift your eyes off of people to God, it changes everything. Because you stop pressuring them. And they appreciate it. Yes. <laughs> you stop. <laughs> they, they, you get your eyes on God and the pressure is off of them. And you're not badgering them. You're not pulling on them. So many relationships have been destroyed because of people pulling on each other. You know, uh, 
my wife and I, Phyllis, we've counseled with couples many, many times, and we've had our marriage meetings many times. And, and uh, what you've seen so many times is somebody, you know, uh, the, the wife says, well, I, I need this from you, and, and you're not giving it to me. And, and the husband says, well, well, I have needs too, and, and, and you're not giving to me. And both of them are saying, give me, give me, give me, and nobody's giving, and there's nothing to receive. And that's how relationships just get choked and die and dry up. People say, well, we're not in love anymore, so I must, you know, go to somebody else. Uh, it's just a matter of time before the same thing happens and repeats itself. It's a loop that'll just dry up and die and get worse. But if the two people pulling on each other can do this, Oh, hallelujah. And both of them look to God and both of them draw closer to God. Can you see what's happening here? As they're getting closer to God, what else is happening? They're getting closer to each other. Come on, can you see this? And, and you don't just want to be one with a human being. You want to be one with God. And the more one I am with God and the more one they are with God, the more one we are with each other. And the more fellowship we're having with him, the more we're receiving from him. The more we receive from him, the more we have to give to another person. Come on, can you see that? But not if somebody's pulling on you all the time. It gets old, doesn't it? Please, 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 please. It, <laughs> you don't spend enough time with me. You don't talk to me. And, and you don't share with me. And you don't want to do things for me. And, and you don't want to. Mm. That will kill a relationship. And it's happening all over. It's happening from both sides. It's happening. And so they're looking to Moses. What are we going to drink? What are we going to drink? In Matthew 6, 30, Jesus said, well, verse 31, he said, take no thought saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? Did the Lord tell us, don't ask these kind of questions? Why? Because it's the same kind of question that the angel shut Zacharias' mouth over. Right? Unbelieving. There's a, a whine in this question. What are we going to eat? A whine. A pitiful. Feel sorry for me. This is ungodly. Even evil unbelief. It's not some little innocent. Okay thing. Especially we that have walked with God for a while. You don't say. What am I going to eat? What am I going to wear? You say. My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. He will feed me. He will take good care of me my whole life long. The Lord is my good shepherd. I shall not want. Now man, if you'll talk like that, you'll make God smile. He will smile. He will go, that's it. That's it. And I'm telling you, the floodgates will be open. Everything you need will flow. Right time, right place. Can you say amen? Amen. Well, our time's up again, but aren't you glad that you know how to talk now and how to not ask the dumb question? <laughs> 
Come back uh, tomorrow. There's a lot more to see. We'll see you soon back here in Faith School. I've got a victory living inside. Thank you for joining us at Faith School. Class is dismissed for today, but you can watch this and other episodes of Faith School free of charge at faithschool.org. For more information, visit our website or call us at 941-702-7390.